Hey everybody, before we get into the show, I wanted to let you know we've got another live show coming up. We will be back at Maya Cinemas on Thursday, May 23rd for Furiosa, the latest in the Mad Max series. We are so excited for this one. Joining me to talk about it, we've got Sam Novak, Shahab Zargari, and Tony Gonzalez. A great lineup. It's going to be an awesome movie. We are so excited to talk about it. So make sure to check the show notes. There are opportunities to win tickets. You could also buy tickets. And we hope to see you there Thursday, May 23rd, 6 p.m. at Maya Cinemas for Furiosa. Alright, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about a Pixar movie. We are talking Turning Red, about a little girl who whenever her emotions get out of check, she turns into a giant red panda. It is a very fun movie that, uh, you know, we don't get to talk about enough Pixar movies here on the show, so uh, I'm really excited to talk about it. And joining me for the first time is Daniel Howitt from Next Best Picture. Uh, Very happy to have Daniel on the show, and uh, we got a great conversation coming up. So before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts, and of course to rate and review us, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Pocket Casts, on on Pod Chaser, on Good Pods, where we've been hanging around the top 10 recently in the indie podcasts, indie film podcasts charts. So uh, thank you, everybody, who's been listening over there on Good Pods, and continue to listen and continue to subscribe and continue to rate and review, and thank you for listening. You can also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And, of course, don't forget, we do have the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where you might even be listening to this right now because I'm posting it before it hits the main feed on the Patreon. Uh, Lots of other great advanced content. Our Uncharted episode is sitting there on the Patreon waiting for a VOD release, but uh, once that film comes out on VOD, we'll release it to everybody. But for now, those awesome people who are patrons of the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, get to hear it early, as well as bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, another great movie podcast that I produce, and from my music career. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash bydavidrosen. And otherwise, just keep listening and sharing the show and rating and reviewing and subscribing and following and all those things. We really appreciate it. So with all that said, let's talk about Turning Red. All right, so we are talking about Turning Red, and joining me today is Daniel Howitt. Daniel, how's it going, man? I am doing so well. I'm I'm uh, excited to talk about Pixar, as always. Yeah, right? I, You know, when we did uh, Luca last year, I realized, like, somehow it was my first time covering a Pixar movie. Like, and They come out all the time, and I don't know why I hadn't gotten to one yet on this show. You know, we don't cover everything, and... I don't know how that happened, but I'm always happy to talk Pixar because Pixar is awesome. (laughs) I have a really soft spot in my heart for Luca because one of my sons is named Luca. Uh, nice. So we had a good, uh, you know, that one was on a loop in our house all of last year. Still still is pretty regularly, sure. but it got bumped out by Encanto, so. Yeah. Nice. 
Yeah, well, Encanto is, uh, for the moment right now, it is, I think, bumping everything out in most households. So, yeah. So, this is your first time on the show. So, before we do get into Turning Red, uh, why don't you tell people a little about you and what you do? Yeah, so I I, uh, write for a website called Next Best Picture. So, we're really awards-focused. So, we cover the awards race. So, obviously, it's right in the heart of things now because the Oscars, as we're recording this, the Oscars are uh, just over just under three weeks away. So we're, yeah. we're getting pretty close there. Um, so yeah, so you'll, you'll find me writing a lot about that, uh, m- primarily doing interviews. So I like, you know, I interview d- filmmakers, actors, you know, all across. I love interviewing like uh, composers and cinematographers and things like that. So yeah, so that's that's kind of my, my favorite thing to do is do interviews. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I've seen some of your interviews and uh, yeah, great stuff always. And um, yeah, we've been trying to, you know, make this happen for a while now. So I'm just really happy uh, to have you here on the show. And uh, for those listening at home, I run into Daniel at some of the uh, critic screenings here in Vegas sometimes. Right. And Vegas so, yeah. locals here. That's right. So it's it's always fun to uh, to to make that happen. So, uh, yeah, let let's start getting into turning red. Um, you know, we already established uh, we're all Pixar fans. Who isn't a Pixar <laughs> right, fan right. at this point? But was this particular one uh, a big one on your radar? I mean, I I know there was a little bit of you know it was a bummer. Let's just say that this one is kind of skipping the theatrical release and just going straight to Disney. Uh, you know, I guess for some people it's not a bummer, but for those of us who like to watch these things on the big screen, you know, it was kind of a bummer. Well, it's it's kind of a baffling decision, honestly, because yeah. I, I get or the reasoning was COVID, right, which I sure. get we're not out of a pandemic as much as some people want to be, you know, we're still in it. But, yeah, you know, like Sing 2 is cleaning up at the box office still. And that came out yeah. in late December, mid-December. And so I just I'm kind of confused as to why they pulled this completely from theaters, because I really think it would have made a good amount of money. Um, so I, Pixar is pretty upset about it from what I understand. So, right. Right. Yeah. And I, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Yeah. I, I don't blame them at all. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I, I guess we're just still in a transitional period at the moment. And so it's just, it makes for, it, it's not so much that they're necessarily making the wrong decisions because yeah, we are still in a pandemic, yeah, but yeah. just nobody knows what to do. And so it's just kind of a mess in every direction and yep. it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, it is what it is, but yeah, I think that people are going to love this movie when it comes out. We're, we're recording this, uh, still a few days away from its release, but, um, I think that the uh, reaction is going to be really good because I had a lot of fun with this movie yeah. and I'm just some 41-year-old childless dude. So uh, I think anybody can like this movie for sure. But, you know, we'll get into what works and what doesn't work here uh, along the way. Let's start getting into some puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first piece here? Yeah, so my first piece, well, before we get into first, my first puzzle piece, I wanted to say, you and I talked a little bit about this uh, as we were talking about this episode. I, I feel like a lot of the puzzle pieces for this movie, or at least some of them, would be like anime. I think there's a lot of anime influence in this movie. Sure. That's actually just a total like weak spot for me. I'm just not, uh, I'm not, I, I don't watch much anime at all. So, so it does kind of feel, as I was putting my list together, I'm like, man, it feels like it's missing some, some clear anime influence here, but it's just not. I don't know enough about anime to be able to speak well about it, but... Right, uh, right. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you there. I mean, I know I've seen uh, Rama One Half is listed as one of the possible ones that that I've seen people make comparisons to. Yeah. And I, I've seen, like, I've never actually watched it, but I've seen it in pop culture. I've seen, like, you know, scenes from it, and it, it looks like, you know, similar things with the panda and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'm sure that there are, uh, you know, so many anime influences yeah. that could be spoken to, and I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I, I don't watch 
anime really i mean i i play a lot of video games so you know i see it like kind of sure, you yeah. know you know on the periphery there but uh yeah so i i'm in the same boat yeah yeah i heard i heard sailor moon is another one that domishi has said the director domishi has said that uh influence this a lot but i which uh, sailor moon's huge i've just i've never watched a single episode so right know, i just really don't know anything about it absolutely so my first my first puzzle piece here um at, while i was watching turning red the first thing i i said out loud was this is pixar's ladybird uh so that that is my <laughs> sure. first that's my first puzzle piece um i think the correlations between ladybird and turning red are are so clear um and that's a top like a top 10 film for me ladybird i love ladybird so much um yeah. but yeah the the early 2000s setting the overbearing mother who who wants her daughter to be perfect uh the the daughter trying to become her own person you know in ladybird christine calls herself ladybird while may may turns into a panda you know there's 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 some kind of correlation there um sure. but yeah i you know i think they're both really beautiful coming of age stories that wrestle with the relationships between a mother and daughter which such a specific relationship obviously we're both dudes here but but yeah you know i think we can uh see the parallels there you know um uh what I find really interesting about both movies is the genuine love that there is between the mom and daughter. It's not like sure. neither neither are, are are an actual depiction of abuse or anything like that. Um, it's just a mom trying to trying to make her daughter the best she can, and maybe going about it the wrong way, and right. kind of having to reconcile that. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's tons of parallels between those films for sure. Absolutely. It was also on my list. And nice. uh, it's, it's, yeah, I, I think the influence is, is 100% there. And, and I love that it, it focuses on both the, the differences and the similarities between the, the mother and daughter, which is something that Lady Bird did so well also. I mean, it, it's, it, it's all about that push-pull, love-hate relationship, but that is just such a uh, universal thing. And Lady Bird is like, truly um at least recently like one of the best examples of that that you can find and i think that this kind of uh plays in that same territory for sure so i, I think that's a great piece to uh kick it off with yeah. i'll go with my first piece um i thought of the tv series pen 15 mm. which uh i i love so much it's it's so ridiculous obviously a lot dirtier than uh, anything you're gonna <laughs> find in a kid's movie like turning red but dealing with the same issues though the same messiness of, of teenage life of puberty of growing up and specifically growing up in that era that's kind of like you know right before the internet but people already had computers and they already had they started to get cell phones or maybe just pagers but like it was all in that very transitional period there and uh pen 15 for those that haven't watched it it's uh created by and starring uh maya erskine and anna conkle who are two comedians who basically play themselves at i believe it's 13 years old and it's absolutely ridiculous and uh some of the situations they get into are just really really go very far into you know the the clean way of saying it i guess would be just the messiness of that teenage life but it, it gets pretty out there and crazy uh, but like I said, very similar situations as to uh, what uh, Maylee and, and her friends get into uh, in Turning Red. I have not watched Pen15. I keep hearing really good things about it. Is it is it as cringy as I imagine it? Is it kind of cringe comedy? 
it's absolutely cringe okay, comedy. That okay. like if you were to set like a very specific uh, genre, that would be the genre for it. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, got it. Yeah, but I definitely see how that would uh, how that would yeah. have a lot of parallels here. Highly recommended. Okay. Uh, what do you have for your next piece? Uh, my next one, I think, very different comedy styles than Pen Fifteen, but probably uh, some of the same cringiness. Um, very similar to Lady Bird uh, as well. It's uh, another recent film, Eighth Grade. Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. You know, much like Lady Bird, it, it just it just it's a specific take on growing up as a young girl. And um, I think the age uh, age of May May and, and Kayla are are pretty pretty similar. Maybe they're the exact same age. Um, and I love that both of them have this almost performative confidence. Like, sure. Um, yeah. Kayla does her whole thing of recording vlogs on the internet and Gucci and, mm-hmm. and May's maybe, maybe less performative, but she's, she starts the movie with just this bravado and just really like injured the opening narration and all that stuff, developing feelings for boys, all those things. Um, I, I really love the specificity of that story and how it relates here you know in eighth grade they deal a lot with social media which isn't around in turning red but still there's a a lot of the same like self-consciousness and wanting to fit in um you know struggling with you know the outward representation of that feeling uh, feeling like a monster in your own skin i think the metaphor in turning red isn't isn't super subtle but you know it works it works really well (laughs) and i think it really uh you could see how that metaphor would have probably connected really well for kayla in eighth grade absolutely and yeah I, i think to that like performative thing like this being set in 2002 and being before social media and all that i think kids now having to grow up with that i mean it just makes so much sense why kayla would would be similar but especially kayla would have it because yeah she has to do it every day for social media and it's uh it's 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 a scary thing for the future (laughs) i can't imagine as a parent so scary even you know i've got i've only got three-year-olds and they're three two three-year-old boys um and so they're gonna have a very different experience than than young girls as well but but yeah i'm already thinking through those things even as they're three years old you know having to figure out what what a life lived online looks like. It's a very, it's so bizarre. Uh, You Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not that old, but even still it's like, it's so different than when I was a kid. It's just so, it's so bizarre how, how fast the internet has just overtaken adolescence. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's really weird. Um, I'm sure we'll get a Pixar movie about that soon. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll go to another one, which uh, I haven't seen since I was a kid. I, I told myself I was going to rewatch this specifically for this episode, and I just didn't have time. But, I mean, it's a classic. It's Teen Wolf. Um, of course. You know, a, a comedy that's, you know, inspired by monster movies. And this animated movie is inspired, I think, a lot by Teen Wolf and that melding of monster movie uh, imagery with the whole coming-of-age comedy thing. And, you know, th- this movie, th- this main character has to deal with all of the uh, changing emotions of being a teenager as well as the, you know, having to deal with being a monster and learning that she's she's got these, these monster tendencies. And also another connection uh, that that's run in her family all this time. And she didn't realize that, which is something that also is explored in Teen Wolf. So I, I think there's a lot of Teen Wolf in here. I've never seen the series, um, but I'd imagine it deals with similar things. And the original movie, like I said, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I, I know it was a favorite when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched that in a decade or more. Uh, I, I definitely, definitely crossed my mind because I was like, there's a lot of parallels there with werewolf, 
uh, werewolf imagery and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, but yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good puzzle piece. We got to put that on our, uh, our our homework list here, both of us. Yeah, Daniel. yeah, yeah gotta exactly. Watch that. Gotta catch up. So, what do you got next? Yeah. Next, I, I also went kind of thinking of the the monster route to a degree. Uh, but but more specifically, one one ending part of the, of turning red. Are we are we talking spoilers here? Are spoilers fair game? Spoil away. Yeah, okay. we we hope that everyone's watched this movie first. Perfect. So yes. So um, I was thinking about the end, towards the end of the film um, when uh, May May's mom turns into her panda. To, she kind of rages out and becomes a, a huge, ma- like giant, uh, ca- almost like a kaiju kind of thing. She just sure. starts to come after. Uh, to try to rescue Mei Mei. And so the whole, the whole stadium sequence really kept standing out in my mind where where her mom comes and kind of starts destroying the, the four-town performance. And it reminded me so much of Ghostbusters, of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. A lot of the imagery there... Um, the, the kind of moving seemingly in slow motion as she, as she's kind of tracking the kids down. Uh, sure, you have the, yeah. the group on the ground trying to figure out a ritual to to bring her down. So yeah, I was really I was going through a lot of monster movies in my head, but I couldn't get Stay Puft Marshmallow Man uh, out of my head for that one. That's great. That's such like a, a left field version of a kaiju, but <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah, not, not exactly the same thing. But yeah, I was I was also trying to think of uh, the other thing that the imagery reminded me of was Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. Do, uh, do you remember that movie enough? I think he attacks a stadium, but I couldn't remember. I haven't seen that in who knows how long. Yeah, for some I'm reason not, I had that in my head. I'm not sure. I think uh, I wanted to say in, in a King Kong, maybe, but. Um, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, possibly I haven't seen that since opening weekend either. Uh, that that was a long time ago, yeah, and I think yeah. most people don't want to remember that <laughs> right, exactly. very much. So, uh, yeah, but no, I love that though, and that whole sequence is great. And by the way, uh, we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, Four Town, awesome, so Just, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what? Is, no, nobody like you. Uh, I have definitely listened to that multiple times. A, a classic. It, it's surprising. It's Billie Eilish, right? And and her yeah. brother wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wrote it. They're, they're insane songwriters. Even even in a project like this, where the songs kind of it's just a early two thousands boy band song. Sure, it fits perfectly, but it's still really listenable. Like it's not. It, they didn't like make fun of boy bands with making the song. They made an actual good boy band song. Sure, really, really remarkable. Yeah, really great stuff. Uh, I'll go to my next piece here, and I think this is probably a a fairly obvious one, uh, but I'm going to go with a character that's been in a lot of different movies over the years, and that is the Incredible Hulk. Um, Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, it's kind of obvious, but, you know, a character whose emotions, when they get out of control turns into a literal monster and uh you know there, there's various incarnations over the years that have uh you know between the comics and the movies and then into the marvel cinematic universe and just all of them kind of take you know different approaches to the character and to what it means for that character to have that ability and uh how they deal with it personally and what it does to their mental state and all that uh but all of them deal with that same thing of if you can't get your emotions in line if you can't be a you know i guess a functioning person and be able to like you know control yourself then you're going to go all crazy and, and turn into this monster character and uh and that's what happens to a melee turning into a big uh, giant panda <laughs> yeah that's phenomenal yeah i definitely thought of hulk who's who's your favorite hulk when you were thinking of that one who's who were you who popped in your head the most i mean 
even though I'm not the biggest Marvel guy in the world, uh, you know, I've got to I've got to go with Ruffalo. I mean, just yeah. because uh, Mark Ruffalo is great. Yeah, yeah, he's had more of a chance to shine than any other ones. But I think Edward yeah. Norton's Hulk uh, didn't get enough love. He was only yeah. one movie, but I think he he did pretty good. Yeah, it, it, Edward Norton's great, and uh, I think he just needed, like you said, didn't get a chance to shine. He needed yeah. like more than one movie to get yeah. there, I think, and for sure, just didn't happen. For sure. So, what do you got next? So next, uh, actually, very similar sort of story uh, to Hulk, but in a completely different direction in the in the kind of an indie drama route. Um, I thought of a, a relatively recent monster movie, I think from 2017, called Colossal. Have you seen Colossal? Oh, great, great movie, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it maybe since it came out, uh, but it's kind of stuck in the back of my head. And so when we were thinking about this one, the 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 similarities are are endless here. I mean, in Colossal, you've got um, uh, Anne Hathaway's character struggling with alcoholism, and and then you know news starts reporting that there's this monster in Korea, and she begins to realize she has this connection, and she's controlling this monster. Um, so a lot like Turning Red, the the metaphor isn't really subtle. It's it's a pretty obvious metaphor here, but it's it's a really useful metaphor, similar to Hulk. You know, it's right, um, right. in in Colossal, it's uh, the, this woman's alcoholism is just leaving a path of destruction in her wake, and and uh, same thing for May in Turning Red. She's uh, you know her her emotions are out of control. Her she's trying to figure out how to you know deal with all the big things that she's feeling, and uh, when she kind of she has to learn how to control it, and that's what her mom wants her to do, but just just helping her go about it the wrong way. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think whether it's a alcoholism or puberty or you know turning into a green rage monster i think there it's a really it's a really useful me- uh, metaphor you know yeah absolutely i hadn't thought of it but uh, that that's a great piece to bring to this and yeah i i think some of the detractors of this movie have focused a little too much on uh the the metaphor being just specifically puberty and it, while that's certainly a part of it i think it's everything that deals with growing up with, with yeah. dealing with parents dealing with you know what you want to do with your life do it like everything yeah. that goes with being a teenager and th- i think there's just a lot more to it than just that and i think i think uh opening up to all of that is where this movie really starts to shine yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I think it's a lot bigger than people are giving it credit for. Um, that doesn't mean it's subtle, but it's still really effective. Um, it encompasses yeah. insecurities and um, uh, feelings for boys, you know, all those things. Yeah, yeah. Like it just really uh, it, it encompasses a lot. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I got one more piece left, uh, and that really just has to do with the ending. Um, but in the end, we learned that part of the uh, the ritual that her family has uh, kind of kept secret but have known about for, for all these you know centuries or whatever involves playing music to to control the emotions and to to rein in the panda and and all of that. And uh, I thought of the end of Bill and Ted Face the Music, the recent <laughs> Bill and Ted sequel, where everybody has to come together and use their singing powers and musical powers to all perform this weird, funky song that saves the day. And uh, I think it's done better here. Uh, that was one of my biggest criticisms of Face the Music, was that the, you know, and it's kind of an impossible thing for them to have made a song 
song that would actually save the world and face <laughs> the music. So it was kind of an uphill battle. But I think uh, here the music was awesome, especially once Four Town joins in. Right. Uh, you know, how, how can a song with Four Town in it not be awesome? So, right. <laughs> you know, so it, it all kind of comes together in that, that way of music uh, kind of being the hero at the end. That's so good. I missed I missed Bill and Ted 3. I didn't catch it. So, and I oh, wow. Really caught up. So, so, yeah, no, that's good. So I didn't know that that's how they ended the film. That's great. You got to. You got to. Sorry for the spoiler there. That's but, all right. Uh, that's all right. Yeah. You, you got to after after the other two movies, like, you know, kind of set it up that, you know, music is going to save the world. It's yep. music has to save the world when, oh, we, when we finally bring the guys back. So that's you know. great. Love it. Yeah. So awesome. uh, do you have uh, another piece? I have one more. Uh, and, and I'm going to be honest. This was a little bit of a stretch in terms of mm-hmm. calling it a puzzle piece. But it's something I feel like. Uh, yeah, it's something worth discussing. Uh, it's less than six months old. That's why I say it's a little bit of a stretch because it's so new. It's obviously not an influence on Turning Red, mm. uh, but it's in Kanto. Already okay. talked about it earlier. Um, I was really surprised at how how much similar ground these films tread. Mm-hmm. Like really, w- I, I, as I was like thinking about the film afterwards, I was like, wow, both were about you know these these overbearing maternal figures, grandmother in Encanto, mom in in uh, Turning Red. And, uh, you know, it, yeah, it's just a story about dealing with generational struggles. Um, her mother was so focused on being perfect in, in control and tr- wanting wanting to kind of shut down these inner demons for May. And yeah. and that's what happens in Encanto. It's, uh, sure, it's a story about yeah. generational trauma from top to bottom. And Abuela wants to protect her whole family and, and be perfect to earn their gifts, earn their powers. Um, and she takes her anger out on Mirabelle and things start to fall apart. So, yeah, it was just very interesting that both of these films released within four months of each other uh, from the same studio uh, had such similar themes, both really important themes that I don't think animated films have explored. You know, generational trauma. I would never think that Disney would really kind of uh, right. hyper hyper focus on that, but it's really important to do that. And so, yeah. yeah, it was just very, it's very interesting that both of those films do that. I'm curious, you know, obviously animated films take a long time to make, but I, I wonder how much of everybody being stuck uh, at home with their families over the last two years plays into that. <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, no, that's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I think that's a great one, though, to bring up here and to end on, uh, because, yeah, even though it, it's recent, I mean, it definitely, they, they come from the same place for sure, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it definitely makes sense to include. So I will go and read down our finished puzzle list here, and, uh, of course, we started off talking about how uh, neither of us are really experts on anime, but there's lots of animes that could probably uh, be cited here. Uh, but then we moved on to Lady Bird, Pen15, 8th Grade, Teen Wolf, Ghostbusters, The Incredible Hulk, Colossal, Bill and Ted Face the Music, and Encanto. And uh, yeah, I I think a great list of movies, like a lot of really good stuff here. And uh, I I love that you brought 8th grade into it because I think that really... I don't know why I didn't even think of that one when I was making my list, but it's such a perfect one. And especially for that, the change in era and what, what they're dealing with, they don't have, you know, social media to like really nail home some of the uh the themes that eighth grade dealt with but they're so similar though and it just kind of shows growing up at that age you know has so many challenges regardless of the era but uh yeah any uh any closing thoughts anything uh, that we didn't quite get to with turning red 
No, I, you know, I really appreciated Turning Red. I, I'm not sure that it landed as strong for me as some of Pixar's other recent films like Luca or Soul. Um, I, fe- I feel like the, I loved the themes, but maybe the emotion, it didn't have an emotional punch at the very end for me. I wasn't really moved like I typically am with Pixar films. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the themes, it's it was really refreshing, again, speaking as a dude, um, but it was really refreshing to see a young girl's journey discussed so openly in a Pixar film, like yeah. literally talking about pads and tampons and periods like that's shocking in a way that it shouldn't be uh, in a, right, in a right. film, you know, that's what girls go through. Right. So um, so I think that was refreshing. Um, just the honesty there. Yeah. I mean, these movies, they're almost always about either growing up or, or learning how to be yourself or, or learning how to go through tough times. And like all, all these animated movies tend to deal with those kinds of uh, issues. And so, you know, why not be real about them? You know, they, yeah, everybody yeah. has to grow up and, and learn this stuff. So absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as, as to the, uh, the emotional punch, I do think you're right that um, they're maybe not aiming for it here yeah uh, I agree. you know and, and so it, and i think that's okay for a little bit of a, a variety because you know they don't really want to get pigeonholed as the you're gonna cry your eyes out if you watch <laughs> right, this yeah. movie studio you know so yeah, yeah, totally. uh but but yeah no great stuff all around daniel this was great uh do you have another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners yes um this may be slightly cheating uh because it's not available to watch yet um, but okay. uh, one of my favorite movies that I've seen so far this year, not not one of my favorite, the my favorite movie of the year so far uh, was one. I only caught one film at Sundance online, uh, and it was a movie called Cha Cha Real Smooth. Um, and it's it was bought by Apple TV. So it'll come. I'm, I'm guessing this summer it'll it'll come to Apple TV. It is phenomenal. Um, when I say it's my favorite movie of the year, I'm pretty i feel very confident in saying it'll be my number one at the end of the year and it's only march that we're recording this it's just that good um it's it's so charming it's like a dramedy about this kid uh not a kid he's a he's like a a just graduated from college he's just a young guy who's trying to become an adult and figure out what he wants to do with his life and dealing with this uh, slightly older woman and her autistic daughter and kind of developing relationship with them it is absolutely hilarious and absolutely emotionally devastating too it's both of those things um it's so mature and romantic and um really heartbreakingly honest too and it's directed by a 23 year old guy named cooper rafe which is shocking so yeah i i loved this movie so much i cannot wait to watch it a hundred more times uh (laughs) because it's one of those movies that is like perfectly tailored to my tastes it's like exactly my type of movie and uh yeah i couldn't be more impressed with it so yeah did you catch the did you happen to watch that at sundance i did not and i am very much looking forward to i loved his last film shithouse and uh i i'm so excited for it i can't wait for that to come out i i'm very excited for everything that cooper rafe does from here on out i mean just really great talent yeah, absolutely. I have to I have to name drop because how often do I get to do that? I just met him last week um, at, nice. in a group called the Hollywood Critics Association, and I met him at the awards show last week. He he and his girlfriend like cleaned off my jacket when I had a smudge on it. We chatted for like <laughs> ten minutes. It was he was just the most lovely guy. It was incredible, and he's got two movies under his belt. 
I, it was it's wild. He's he's a crazy talent. It was amazing. That's awesome. Well, I I am very excited to see it, and uh, maybe maybe we can get you back on for that episode since sure. you're so excited for it. Yes, I, I would I, love to. I, I'm looking forward to covering that movie. So yeah, we will uh, we'll have to talk when that finally hits Apple yes. TV. But um, awesome, Daniel. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find you and your writing again? Yeah, uh, the the most active place that I am is on Twitter. You can follow me there at HowitDK. That's H-O-W-A-T-D-K. Uh, and you can find my writing and interviews at Next Best Picture. And I'm on the Next Best Picture podcast uh, regularly as well. So you can find me there. Awesome. Daniel, thanks so much. I'm so glad we finally got you on the show. And uh, hopefully we'll be getting you back again sometime soon. I'm Josh Bell. And I'm Jason Harrison. We co-host a podcast called Awesome Movie Year. Each season, we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. We deep dive into these specific years and we pick out why they were such great years for films. We go over the biggest hits, the biggest flops, the best pictures, some personal picks, some cult classics. Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at awesomemovieyear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation about Turning Red. Thank you to Daniel Howitt for joining me on that one. Uh, make sure to go check out Next Best Picture and check out everything else that Daniel's up to. And uh, while you're at it, make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together. Maybe this is just your first time listening and uh, you haven't hit that subscribe button yet. So if you haven't, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And of course, if where you're listening happens to be either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podchaser or Good Pods, one of those ones with a rating button, a five-star button, even better, uh, hit that button and give us a nice little review. We appreciate it. You could also follow us over on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. And last but not least, of course, there's the Patreon I told you about at the top of the show, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Rosen. You can subscribe. You don't have to, but we appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, that does it for this episode. Although I do want to mention, uh, we, we didn't quite mention this during the episode. We mentioned how great the little, uh, friend group is within Turning Red, but the character Abby, uh, what, what an awesome character. Uh, best thing about this movie to me. Uh, it didn't quite come up in the conversation, but I just wanted to mention it here as we're closing up. One of my favorite characters in a Pixar movie in recent years. So, uh, you know, just shout out to Abby. That's a great character. So... Let's close this thing out with a piece of music like I always do. And uh, I figure in, in celebration of Four Town, the band within the movie, uh, I should play something poppy and upbeat. So uh, I'm going to go with a track called Head on Fire from my third album, Head Like Fire. Uh, I'm not singing on it or anything like that. It's not that kind of thing. It's not exactly boy band, but it is upbeat and poppy. So uh, I thought it would be a good one to close us out with. So enjoy the music. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
an All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.